Automated Podcast. Welcome to Automated. I'm your host, Mark Verbenkov, and in this weekly podcast, we will be exploring the impact of emerging technology on jobs, society, as well as us, with business and technology leaders, researchers, and independent professionals across the world. So one of the things that the pandemic, and specifically the lockdowns, has really changed significantly over the last year is the way that we shop. So there's actually been nearly a 40% increase in e-commerce over the last 12 months. But coupled with this is the need to also, of course, social distance when shopping. However, before COVID brought on these changes, there was already an effort to change the way that we shopped into a more automated experience. So my guest this week is Upton Saidi, and he comes on to talk about the future of retail and grocery shopping as being realized through Amazon's cashierless Go and the sophisticated Fresh stores. We also discuss uh, how in China, Alibaba's Hema store had already implemented similar technologies, enabling a more informed customer and efficient shopping experience. So we also discuss, of course, the issues that revolve around data privacy implications of the tracking technologies that are used in the stores and what kind of job and social impacts will be realized by these different kinds of initiatives. So Upton is a journalist and coach based in Dubai and Los Angeles. Today he makes videos for YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram about tech, money, and cultures to his combined audience of 325,000 people. He's reported for MTV News in New York and CNBC International across the US, Europe, and Asia, primarily covering business, tech, and more. He's lived and worked in New York, Singapore, and Hong Kong, reporting across live television as well as digital platforms. Upton has interviewed hundreds of executives and experts across various platforms, including television, CNBC.com, and for digital videos. And his guest list includes people like Gary Vaynerchuk, Bill Nye, and Binance's CEO, Chengpeng Zhao, to just name a few. In the episode today, Upton gives us his personal view on the stores of the future and I think offers a really important perspective because he's actually visited and used each of them firsthand. So if you've ever been curious about how automation technologies will impact the future of shopping, this episode is definitely for you. Great. Well, thanks for coming on to the Automated Podcast, Upton. It's great to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm excited yeah. for this. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, so, of course, in the in the pre-intro, I will have talked about the kind of videos that you've prepared on kind of the future of grocery stores uh, and retail in general. Uh, I'll, of course, point uh, the um, uh, the audience towards those. Um, but I think we're going to have an interesting discussion today about like kind of what the experience is like in some of these future stores. Uh, I think most people. Uh, don't use those today. So it's, I think it's kind of an interesting point of view of uh, like how these things work. But um, maybe to, to start off the discussion, like what made you initially interested to go into these stores and to get a sense of, of what they're like? Well, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with the future. I mean, there's a lot of history buffs out there and I, I don't, I, unfortunately, I wish I could be more interested in history, but I'm always kind of thinking about the future and what that might entail. And also what it is to be American, you know, I think as a person who's born and raised in the US, it's kind of like we, I grew up where it's kind of like we are the best, you know, the US is the best and these are the reasons why. And once I moved actually from the US to Asia in 2016 for work as a, as a tech journalist with CNBC, I really started to become fascinated with, wow, is America the best? Is the US the best? You know, there, there's a lot of really incredible things happening also outside the US. And I think my biggest reward in creating videos is to shine some light on that, is, mm -hmm. is to kind of think about the US audience and, and show them a part of the world that they that they had probably a, a, mis, a, a misconceived notion about. And so I think when when thinking about that and thinking about technology, China is comes top of mind, right? Yeah, yeah. Because of how advanced it is in automation and facial recognition. And then and then the advantages to that too, right? So many people are afraid of that, but I I truly saw so many advantages, which I'm excited to to get into. Great, great. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's kind of a perfect episode how we've how we've structured it. I mean, we'll be talking about Amazon's Go and Amazon's Fresh Shop, and then we'll move over to kind of the Chinese context with Alibaba's Hema. 
Um, so why don't we start with Amazon Go? Because I think this was this was the one that I first heard about, and also I think I'm still the most interested in because it's uh, from my perspective, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be like the most automated one out of the out of the three. Um, but uh, I, so I know that you've been in one of these, and you've you know you've done a video on it. You kind of uh, um, looked into it a little bit. So maybe you could just kind of paint a picture for the audience. Uh, you know, like what exactly is an Amazon Go store? And then I think we can have a quite an interesting discussion based on that. Yeah, sounds good. So an Amazon Go store, it's funny, it was actually launched, I believe in 2016. So it's mm -hmm. not exactly new. They launched it in so currently it's in uh, San Francisco, Chicago, Seattle, and I, I want to say New York as well. So so think cities with large foot traffic, right? LA, they can skip LA, they can skip Texas, Miami, mm -hmm. well, I guess Miami is some foot traffic, but but the key here is that it's like an automated 7-Eleven. So how it works is you have to have the Amazon Go app downloaded to your phone. That's the only way you can mm -hmm. enter as far as I'm aware. And you obviously link your Amazon Go account to your Amazon you know, payment and Amazon account, right? So you, you uh, pull up your app, you get a QR code, and then there's turnstiles. So just to enter the store, Mark, you have to like actually be registered and actually have to scan something just to enter. Yeah. And yeah. then once inside, the store can actually, using a, a combination of various technologies from weight sensors of the items to cameras to tracking your movements throughout the store, they're able to literally know that I just picked up a Cliff Bar, that I just picked up a Gatorade, right? It's just like all this data is just being mm -hmm. crunched at once to know that I did that. And it is, let me tell you, it's a very, very weird sensation. So one thing I did in my video, just to really, you know, take advantage of this weirdness was I started putting cliff bars into my pocket. Right, <laughs> like I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it was, I really like, there was like that voice of my inner child, the, the good angel on the shoulder being like, what the hell are you doing? You know, <laughs> um, but that's what you're supposed to do, right? That's the whole point. There is no checkout process. There is no carts. There is no basket, nothing. So, so you get whatever items you want. And there, it, there are some hot foods as well. There's a lot of like, you know, sandwiches and things like that. Uh, so you get your items and then the craziest part is you just walk out. It was the yeah. weirdest thing. I mean, you don't even, you don't even, I don't think you even scan. You just walk out. It just knows who you are already. Uh, and that was a really, really weird sensation. Again, it, it, was, mm -hmm. it was a crazy sensation. Uh, I didn't see for the, for the first 10 or 15 minutes that I was in the store, I didn't see one staff member. Eventually I did see a woman come out of the back and what was she doing? You know, re restocking shelves. Okay. Okay. She was also available for people who had Amazon returns. So if you did want to bring a return to an Amazon Go store, you're able to do that. And then I think there's a bell where you can ring the bell and she'll mm -hmm. come out. But for the most part, it, you know, it was just me by myself in the store in the middle of San Francisco, which has a, you know, crime has surged yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot lately. And th there I am. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it was a crazy experience. And now I think the the plan for Amazon was to, to launch these stores at a much more rapid rate until COVID occurred. Yeah. And then because of COVID, you know, a lot less people going to the, the quick convenience stores, a lot less people going to the office, you know, things like that. So they're still, they're still rolling them out, but not at the rate they originally expected. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you know, um, uh, I mean, obviously pre-COVID what that rate was. I remember reading somewhere that there would be something like almost a thousand stores uh, available across America by uh, a specific date. Uh, I, I don't know if you... Uh, yeah, if you I, I want to say... Um... I want to say, you know, I think, yeah, I, I want to say like by 2022, they wanted yeah. a thousand or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a very aggressive expansion plan to kind of eat up, you know, 7-Eleven. And, and mm -hmm. I think the key, as we know, with Amazon, uh, most of us probably already know, it's not about profits, it's about data, right? So I think Amazon didn't probably could care less if it's profitable. I'm sure it probably wasn't. But how much data are they, are they acquiring on each customer? And not just that, Mark, but Mm -hmm. how much data they're able to capture about the future, what's called yeah. just walkout technology, yes, yeah. you know, just walkout technology, they're able to capture a lot of data that they can then actually go and sell to 7-Eleven and go and sell to other, you know, convenience stores globally. Mm -hmm. So I don't know for them, maybe they, they kind of, you know, have enough locations to, to be able to get the data that, that they're not as much in a hurry to, to, to roll out. But what it seems like to me, and I know we're going to talk about this later is, is a lot of the priority. It seems to be around Amazon Fresh, which which okay. you can think of as a safe way, the safe way yeah. of grocery stores. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe just to go back to that, um, uh, just walk out technology. So th- those were the, I mean, you already mentioned a couple of them, like, like the, the f- potentially facial tracking, there's definitely like weight sensors and other, uh, so I, I would assume some sort of cameras in order to um, measure like who is who and where the products are actually going, whether it's into your pocket or your basket or uh, like uh, who, who the products are going to so that it can be charged to. Uh, were there any other technologies that, uh, that you came across that kind of make up this uh, just walk out technology? Uh, well, the QR code, of course, is a big mm-hmm. is a big part of it. Uh, you need the QR code, but yeah, it's mostly, as you mentioned, cameras, weight yeah. sensors, um, and then a lot of deep learning, a lot of a lot of you know various components of different technology that we've been talking about and reporting yeah, yeah. on over the years, just kind of coming into one. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, one one of the, I mean, you already mentioned it a little bit, but um, of course, the the podcast focuses on kind of the impact of work. Uh, mm-hmm. from these new technologies. So you, you mentioned that you only saw one staff member in this entire like small-ish 7-Eleven uh, Amazon Go store. Um, uh, did I, I mean, I, I know that you only saw them for a brief moment, but did they look like bored with their job? Did they look like they were just running around all over the place, like super busy? If there's only like maybe one, maybe two people restocking all the shelves, that's uh, uh, it's a little bit different than I guess how things are done nowadays where you'd have like almost a small army of people restocking shelves. Yeah, she did look bored. It's funny you asked that because she looked quite bored when she came out. I forget why she, I think she came to, to refill something. But yeah, she definitely did look bored and probably because she's the only one there and she's sitting in the back, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's almost like a security guard. I mean, even though, you know, her, her task wouldn't be to, to be on security. But, uh, but yeah, she did look bored. And um, when we talk about, it's funny, so this video that I posted, I think has something like 20 million views across mm-hmm. across different social media platforms. And, and you cannot imagine or probably can imagine how many thousands of people commented uh you know with anger over the loss of jobs yeah. amazon is is ruining and killing jobs and it's interesting to me i mean there, that's a whole debate for another time and there's so many different things to consider with that but but i i kind of um of the belief system that jobs you know are, are often replaced if you look at farming it used to take half the u.s population to yeah. to be farmers to feed the other half right and now it's less way less than one percent of the population is into farming so 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 that's what i believe when it comes to jobs but also i think what people fail to realize too is how many people work for amazon you know in the warehouses as delivery people so yeah maybe they're not working as cashiers at safeway but they're now working you know in a warehouse in amazon or they're working mm-hmm. in amazon fresh store um in 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 uh, fulfillment or, or as a f- fulfillment in the delivery centers so so it's it's a very complex issue that you know i know uh, is is another conversation but but yeah the the one employee that i happened to get a glimpse of at the amazon go seemed seemed definitely a little bit bored yeah okay okay uh, yeah this is this is also i mean something that comes up on this podcast all the time right uh, and i think one of one of the things that you're highlighting in your experience at, at this store and, and we'll talk about the others as well is i mean you're seeing a very visual experience of where jobs used to be, right? Like where people True. would, all, as you mentioned, like uh, high foot traffic areas, people would be seeing uh, other people working in the 7-Elevens or in these grocery stores all the time. And now we're kind of, I guess, confronted as a culture with a new type of experience where there are no people there. So it's a, it's a, it's a very visual ex- uh, example of where there were people and now there isn't. But uh, I think, as you mentioned as well, like there's maybe more people in the background, either developing the technologies or uh, I mean, I'm sure that the delivery systems would be uh, still in place with a lot of people. So there's, uh, you know, potentially jobs that are changing, jobs that are being destroyed, of course, that are the ones that are very visual, but then also new ones that are being uh, or that are emerging as time goes on when these kind of new um, grocery stores uh, in this example anyways are being um, propped up. Yeah, yeah, and and another thing too. I mean, if you think about what's happening with the the kind of jobs crisis in the U.S., where they can't get enough, you know, they can't hire enough people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's quite interesting. It kind of begs the question of like, you know, our job when we talk about jobs, what is worth replacing? You know, do people dream about being a cashier at a yeah. convenience store? Of course, yeah. some people get fulfillment in that, and that's beautiful, mm-hmm. and it's it's great, and they should take pride in their job. But but, you know, should we should we be crying over the loss of cashiers? That's that's kind of, I guess, a better question that should we be that we can be asking and like, well, you know, what other jobs can can 
are created in the process um, because there's a lot of issues, you know, like we talk a lot about, you know, universal basic income and things like that. But I think we're, there's still a lot of issues that, that, that need to be solved. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the homeless epidemic, I mean, there's so many different things we can get into in California, particularly yeah. that, that we could use people working on and helping with or, or even volunteering, you know? So, so um, yeah, there's a lot of different facets of that conversation. And I, I find in general, and I don't want to be one of them in general, we, we, people tend to look uh, way too uh, be be way too narrow minded when when thinking about oh my god is amazon stealing jobs yeah 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 of course um okay maybe then one of the one of the last questions before we maybe move on to amazon fresh because i think this is also another interesting example so you had this weird sensation of feeling like you were robbing the store when you were there um, but that was on your first time there have you since then gone back to the amazon go tried it another time did that and if you did did that feeling wane a little bit or was it always kind of a persistent thing yeah, it definitely like, yeah. So that first time I went, as you mentioned, Mark, it was like, it, it was just for like almost 20 minutes afterwards. Mm-hmm. I, there was still like this part of me that was like, turn around, go back. I'm yeah, yeah. going to get really... chased by the cops or something. Right? Yes. <laughs> and I, and you know, so after you walked out of the store, you get a, a notification through the Amazon go app where it totals your, your, your total, um, it, it totals your purchases. So, mm-hmm. so that was interesting too. And it wasn't right away. I mean, in some cases I would visit the store and it would take like 18, 20 minutes to get my total, which was really interesting. You would think it would be like right away. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, but, but so, so yeah, the first time it was super weird. Uh, It did, it did start to, uh, to, 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 to simmer down just a little bit, not a lot, but, but yeah, each time I visited the Amazon ghost store, it felt a little less weird, but still certainly weird. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, it's, 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 I think it's really interesting also for the, for the listeners to hear that. Yeah. That feeling might be subsiding after enough times, because this is also something that's really interesting when it comes to new technology, right? Like typically it's the new generation of people that don't have that weird feeling of using, or I mean, in this case, stealing food from a store, but there's just like no previous um, examples to kind of make them feel a different way about a new technology. Just, oh, it's a new technology and we're going to interact with it in a very native way. But I mean, mm-hmm. for you and I, we've been in you know grocery stores our entire lives with staff members all the time. Uh, yeah. It might take it might take like yeah the older generation to kind of uh, deal with that in a in a longer time frame, I guess. Yeah. 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 True. True. Yeah. Um, why, why don't we move on then to uh, Amazon Fresh? Because I mean, it's it's similar, but I think there was also um, uh, I mean, some differences. And I think also maybe this is where we can have a bit more of an interesting discussion when it comes to the data that's being processed by, by these uh, two specific stores. So uh, as you mentioned, like um, Amazon Fresh is mostly dealing with like fresh groceries, of course, um, more like a Safeway type uh, store. And also, if I'm not mistaken, it's a little bit bigger, right? So there are more people in there. There's more traffic. Um, uh, maybe you can touch on like the, the the differences that you experience between Go and and Fresh. Yeah, absolutely. So Amazon Amazon Go and Amazon Fresh are very different. Again, a very easy way to think of it is Go is like your Seven Eleven, Fresh is like your Safeway. Mm-hmm. So Amazon Fresh was actually very large. I mean, it was pretty much the the same size as a. Uh, not quite the same size as a Safeway, but it might as well be. I mean, it's a standard size grocery store. And what's really interesting about Fresh, uh, Mark, is that people think that like, oh, at Amazon Fresh, it's automated and you don't see any workers. It was the opposite. Mm -hmm. I actually saw way, way, way more workers than I've ever seen in a grocery store at Amazon Fresh. Hmm. Why is that? Because they were fulfilling online orders. So the key with Amazon Fresh is that it's not just a store for the local neighborhood. It's a fulfillment center for the local neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And the idea here, it was really fascinating the way they integrated technology. So, so I'll just do a walkthrough of what yeah, it's like please. to go to, a, to Amazon Fresh store. So you walk in, there, there is an option for a smart cart and a regular cart. I don't want to call it a dumb cart, but uh, just a standard, you know, old traditional. Cart. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> But obviously, you know, I went with the smart cart. And so to unlock the smart cart, again, you, you, you use the Amazon app to, to uh, connect it. Um, and, and, then, and then you're good to go. So it, it recognizes that this cart belongs to Upton. Anything that goes inside the cart is going to be charged to Upton's account. Mm-hmm. 
and that's it. So, so basically I started walking around the store and it was just fascinating. It was like a game for me. So I put in like uh, some flowers, even flowers, you know, it, it recognized you just, you just put it in the cart and then you hear this little sound. And then there's a, there's a tablet on this, on the front of your cart. Mm -hmm. So there's a tablet says that says, okay, these are flowers. These are 1999. And that's it. And then you just keep you you just walk around the store. Um, what was really interesting and quite annoying though was produce. So like oranges, you had to actually manually input a number mm. from the from the the station of the fruit, and then say how many you know you wanted. So like things that were super easy is obviously packaged goods, your cereals, your you know pasta sauce, salsa, bag of chips. That was super easy. But anything fresh, like even a donut, that was annoying because I had to like input and the the, the codes were like four or five digits. You know, it wasn't. It took a little while. Um, so you would have to input the numbers and things like that. So it really, it really, and I asked this question in my video where I reported on it. I'm like, I, I don't feel like I'm saving much time. This is actually quite annoying right, um, right. in some regards, but of course, but of course, this was just their first year as Amazon fresh. So God knows what it's going to look like in two, let alone five years. Mm -hmm. But, but it was really fascinating. And one thing I did uh, at one point, Mark, was to actually take a few items out and sure enough, without a without a beat, the the cart was able to recognize mm -hmm. that the the item had been removed, and you know, and assumed they assumed I put it back on the shelf, of course. But but what was also crazy was that on the screen of the cart, there's a running total yeah. of 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 everything I'm buying, which I thought was really interesting choice by Amazon because usually what happens when we go into a grocery store, we have three items on our list, we end up buying ten items, and then we get to the register. I'm like, Oh my God, I just spent $88. I thought I was going to spend 20 or 30. Right. Oh, well. Um, so what was crazy is like walking around the Amazon fresh store, I'm able to see, wow, I'm already at $46. Like maybe I should call it a day. Maybe I shouldn't get that extra, you know, cup of whatever. Um, and so, so that, that kind of really changed the process from a shopper's perspective in favor of the shopper, which yeah. again, which again, surprised me a little bit, but, but you know, I'm, what was it? Amazon, I guess, had the option of not showing the total but I think that would feel really weird that would feel really weird because I would look at my screen and say well wait a minute what what's in here right I mean they could show me all the items and then kind of lock the the, the price tags but I think that would feel quite unnerving because every time we see screens and receipts we're used to seeing the item with the price so so that was really interesting and then in terms of the the human component like I said Mark, there were more, there were more employees than there were uh, customers because yeah. they were just all doing uh, online fulfillment. They were testing things out. So they were getting the orders from online and going and filling those carts to be sent out for delivery. And, and that was, was quite fascinating in some, in some ways, I felt like I was in an Amazon warehouse and I wasn't supposed to be there again. It probably the same thing with Amazon go. It's a very new unnerving feeling to see all these you know, employees next to me, like running around filling carts. Right. And, and in some cases I felt like I was in their way and I'm sure I was, I mean, imagine you're working there 40, yeah. 50 hours a week, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the biggest <laughs> obstacle you have to fulfilling your orders, which I'm, you, we know, we know how Amazon works, their timing, that everything's, you know, every employee is being timed of how efficient they are. Right. So uh, the biggest obstacle is the customer. The customer is not someone they want to greet and smile at and help with their purchases. They want to yeah. say, get out of my freaking way. So, so, so yeah, Amazon Go and Amazon Fresh could not really be, you know, more different, but Amazon Fresh was a really fascinating experience. And one more thing I want to say, which I think is really, really important is after I walked out of the Fresh store, you know, I have my nice little receipt, you know, sent to my email and in the app mm -hmm. and it, it really begs the question of in three or four days or a week or whatever, when I'm like, okay, I need to go to the grocery store again. I, my brain is just saying like, well, why would you go and do that yourself when you can literally just go on the app and hit, you know, delivery, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like, I know exactly what I'm going to get. It's like, I, I, it's, it's just such a waste of time. And, and, you know, maybe that's the point. Maybe that's what Amazon wants. Maybe if they imagine 50% of their revenue coming from customers in-store customers versus 50% online, maybe their idea is to get it to 90% delivery, you know, and not, you know, have customers if they really want to come. But for the most part, who the heck wants to come? Because once you've, I've done through the, you know, a lot of people like to say, I put an order of my groceries online. I want to see it, touch it, smell it, see where it's coming from. But after a couple of times of doing that, it's, you know, more or less the same. Mm -hmm. So, so, so it'll be interesting to see See how that evolves because like with me i think amazon fresh was a really good example where i loved the experience but next time you know i didn't go back i just started to hit yeah deliver deliver deliver
that's yeah that's really interesting that was actually one of the questions that i that i wanted to ask you about like your so your experience of course is novel it's new it's uh, interesting because of that but it, to me it didn't sound like it was uh it was an enjoyable experience right there wasn't like a a host welcoming you into the store there weren't people like telling you about like hey you know shop here it, it didn't sound like it was um like a customer friendly experience especially if you're having to like dodge all these uh, fulfillment um uh people uh, staff members running around all over the place so yeah my, i guess my question is like was it or do you think that the experience is maybe set up in such a way to nudge people towards using the online services more, right? So you go into the store the first time, you get a sense of what it's like. And then, as you said, there's this, there's this uh, online, it's almost like um, it makes it easier for you to order online rather than going back to the store after that you've had that, that initial experience. Yes, exactly. I, I wouldn't say I felt like this, I felt unwelcome or dissuaded by any means. It, it, you know, it wasn't like, like quite like that, but I certainly didn't feel, you know, it wasn't like, um, I'm trying to think of a, you know, like Chick-fil-A customer service, right. Where it's like, it's my pleasure, you know, they're trained yeah, to really yeah. like make you feel special. It certainly was far from that. I mean, your average Safeway, I, I definitely would have felt better as a customer um just by you know the average staff at a safeway versus this this amazon fresh experience in fact you know i did ask a few questions to people that were doing fulfillment like where's this where's that and again they're, they're you know they weren't rude by any means but they certainly were not eager to help yeah. uh, understandably so perhaps because that's probably not in their job description you know um and then um i think and then of course because it, it was new i visited the the one in um in woodland hills in california this was last uh august so just like two months after it opened or a couple months after it opened and so so of course you know there was someone to explain the smart card and kind of get get us going okay, and okay. stuff so it's not like my experience was completely you know uh, no human interaction uh, but for the most part yeah it, i do think that amazon does does want you to say yeah come come experience it see firsthand grab your groceries since that's what you you humans like to do um but eventually like just sit at home and and you know open the app and and ultimately why is that if you think about it it's to to take market share i you know imagine from grocery stores right amazon mm -hmm. has not traditionally been anywhere that any and no one thinks of amazon for their groceries right we go to safeway to Rayleigh, or Ralph's, to whatever wherever we live kroger's um, and so this is a really smart way for Amazon to start to take that market share, because let's be honest, the traditional grocery stores are not going to be able to create this kind of technology, even within yeah. a delivery app, um, because, the, you know, they just don't have the data and the experience and the, the head start yeah. on on customer, you know, experience on, online. So, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Uh, maybe then connected to that, uh, when you got your receipt, uh, and maybe if you if you did some research uh, after your experience, like, do you know what uh, to what extent, like, or what kind of data was actually collected from your experience? Like, of course, the the decision to maybe put some uh, items into your cart and then take them out, uh, or like, uh, I would assume that there would be some sort of tracking system on the cart itself to know where you navigated across uh, around the store to then maybe guess um like what kind of products you would be choosing or maybe even predicting in the future like what other products you would choose based on your previous experiences uh were there any other kind of uh insights that you got on kind of the the data that was being captured from your from your time there from what i've researched uh i i do yeah i do understand that that all of all of what you said is is being gathered um you know, that's a good point. Like something was in my cart and then it came out of my cart, but like it's, it, I, it was for my vlog, for my YouTube. Yeah, so, yeah. so hopefully it didn't impact, you know, my, <laughs> my, my customer profile too much, but, um, but, you know, even greeting cards, by the way, I was really surprised because like even a greeting card with the envelope could so simply and easily, yeah. I kept putting it in and out just to try and trick it. And I couldn't, um, but, but yeah, in terms of, of all that data, you know, we, we all know by now, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners that all that technology is available. So, so Amazon, Amazon can certainly say, okay, my profile is this, how much time did I spend in produce? How much time did I spend in packaged goods, you know, and, and, um, and kind of make assumptions about me and my future purchases, how probably they know to a T how likely I am to order online next time, you know, what I'm likely to order, uh, and, and all sorts of, uh, information gathering as well mm -hmm. um so yeah I, I mean i i did get a sense that that all of that is captured and 
uh, I don't know, there, there was even a few Alexas, Alexa devices throughout the store. Right, so right. I did, of course, go and talk to Alexa and ask her a couple of questions. I think I asked, like, where is the, um, I don't know, the, the salsa or something, what aisle? And, um, and she didn't know, she couldn't help me. Um, but I, but it, you know, as we're talking now, it makes me wonder, does, does Amazon know that I asked Alexa that I needed to know, you know, yeah, is, it, is yeah. it that kind of smart that they could, they could, you know, identify that my, that my smartphone was next to the Alexa and I'm the one who asked that question, you know, that would be really interesting. I, I don't see, I mean, I, I know it could if it wanted to, but I, I'd be curious if, if it, it finds that relevant, you know, and if it if yeah. it incorporates that data into into its customer profiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's very interesting to kind of um, I guess analyze or or even in some cases guess or assume like what kind of data is being collected and then what for what kind of uses, right? Is it to is it to just nudge you towards buying more products online or is it to kind of figure out what these fulfillment centers slash grocery stores are actually um, supplying people when they're there one, one of the things that i found interesting uh, and i think you mentioned it already was that there were these kind of old traditional carts there for people to use it wasn't just the smart carts um uh did you get a sense that there were more people like more customers using the smart carts as kind of a novel experience or did people just feel more comfortable using the the older ones when they were there so uh, so i think in my experience you know the few times that i've gone i did i would say it was about half half okay you know obviously i don't have enough data to to really yeah. come up with any conclusions there um and there weren't a lot of people to be honest it's, it certainly was not crowded but that could have also just been the time of day i went and this and that but but yeah it was about half the people were using smart carts. It was actually, I would actually get excited to see someone else with a smart cart because I was like on this journey with them. And I'm like, oh, how's it, how's it going for you? Good, good. You know, and then, but then when they use the regular carts, it's just like they were just there because it was maybe the closest store, or the prices were good or whatever. Um, but so what does that mean? That means that there are also traditional humans working in the cash register yes, yes. Um, for, for those who decide to use the standard cart, right? So for those of you, and I haven't talked about this yet, for those of you, for people like me who obviously wanna use the smart cart, at the end, there is a section. It's kind of like, you know, you walk into Walmart and you see self-checkout and regular checkout, but instead of, so, so you, have, you have your regular checkout, you have a, a couple of humans working. Um, and then instead of self-checkout, you just have this like, it's kind of like, almost think of it like a mini runway. I mean, it was like this pad with arrows saying, you know, only go once you're ready to check out. It was kind of like this ceremonious <laughs> moment. <laughs> um, and, and so you basically just walk your cart along this like large pad with arrows, you know, pointing to the exit of the store. And that was it. I think there might've been a sound that was triggered like, Doo -doo -doo, you know, yeah, yeah. And that was it. And then immediately on the tablet, it said your total, you've checked out da, 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 da. and I got a notification on my phone saying my total. And it was like this, it was like, so, you know, like we talked about the Amazon go that it felt like kind of this, um, you know, anticlimactic moment where I'm like, I just walk out, nothing, that's it. I don't, you know, get out my wallet. Mm -hmm. um, but at least with Amazon fresh, I did feel like closure to my grocery store experience. And that was that, like, again, that moment at the end where you walk, you know, along the, uh, the, the, the pad on the, on the floor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's maybe, well, maybe they took the lessons from the Amazon go and implemented into Amazon fresh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it certainly didn't feel like a, um, un, you know, like uneasy. It, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, Ooh, this was too weird. You know, I didn't feel like kind of uneasy from the experience. I, I actually felt it was kind of cool. And I'll be honest, you know, I said earlier in this episode that, that there were moments where I was like, this is, is this really saving me time? You know, by the time right. I had my two grapefruits with the code and the, you know, I was like, this is really annoying. But then of course the ending is where you, where you realize the time that was saved because you literally don't have to get anything out of your cart. You don't have to wait in any line. There is no small talk. Don't get me wrong. I love people, but you know, yeah, um, yeah. you're, you're literally just done. You just walk and you're done. So, so I guess that's kind of the, you know, you, you spend maybe a little bit more time in the process of shopping uh, so that by the time you're finished, you know, putting the stuff, the items in your cart, you're done. You're literally just able to mm -hmm. walk out of the store. 
Yeah, and maybe maybe this goes back to one of the first things that you said, like these these Amazon Fresh stores are very new, right? So uh, this could just be kind of a piloting phase where they're trying to figure out these these little bugs or these little kinks in the process um, and then upgrade them or change these things over the next year or so so that the, the experience is a little bit more free-flowing and it is a little bit more efficient. Um, so, so hopefully both your videos and uh, if Amazon watches uh, this podcast, they can pick up on those things and, and change it if need be. Um, I, I, I am, I am uh, trying to keep track of the time here. Um, I do want to maybe move on to the experience that you had in China because I think it's, it's both different, but it's also interesting for the, uh, for the audience because uh, although I've talked about China a number of times, um, I haven't had somebody come on and actually talk about their experience with some of these kind of newer technologies uh, in China. Uh, so, so I'm actually very interested to, to hear again uh, what you have to say. So um, if I could ask you again to maybe just give a little bit of your experience about your time in Alibaba's, I think I'm pronouncing it right, Hema, right? Yep. Yeah, that's exactly like that's exactly right. So, yeah, the Alibaba Hema story is, is obviously we know, you know, Alibaba is the uh, is the Amazon of China. And so they they launched a grocery store called Hema, which is similar, but also quite different. It's uh it's it's actually so so when I visited uh, uh, over three years ago now, it was uh, there was no smart cart experience mm -hmm. um, there. But the way the way that it worked, it was it was similar in that it's like a fulfillment center as well as a grocery store experience. So I went there in 2018. Um, and so, so, you know, that's, that's over three years, that's three years now. So, so it was, uh, it was meant to be um, efficient for the customer. But what one thing that I found really interesting is that it was a lot more geared at information for the customer. Mm. So every item had like a QR code. And, you know, this is 2018 before as an American, I didn't know what back a QR code was. Now it's, sure, it's sure. very common, especially COVID. But um, but so so you could go to any item and you could scan it, scan the QR code, and it would tell you exactly like the blueberries, which farm they came from. It would show you the certificate that it was actually organic, mm -hmm. uh, because you know trusting trusting suppliers is is not you know as as seamless as it is in the U.S. and other countries, right? So you could actually look it all within a few seconds. You could see the, the okay, this is truly organic. They've uploaded the copy of the certificate. You could see the day that. The the blueberries or blackberries, whatever were, were picked. Hmm. Um, and you know, the travel time, I mean, it was, it was fascinating, all that information. And then also they sell seafood, which seafood is a really big deal, you know, in a lot of cultures, but especially in China, because people are really adamant that they pick it out. They look at it. I mean, literally they would, they would grab a lobster out of a tank. I mean, with the help of a staff and they would literally just hold it up to the light. Like I've never seen that in the U S you know? So, 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 the, you know, those are some of the reasons why someone would still go in store but I certainly felt the same in that Hema, both Hema and Amazon Fresh. Mm -hmm. In both of these stores, I felt like after you go one or two times, you don't want to go ever again because it's so seamless and easy to just mm. order on the app. And I think that's a much bigger deal in China. I mean, US as well, but for, for Chinese, especially with groceries, the idea of ordering food online was, was you know, probably very hard to come by, yeah. especially for the older generation who, came, who, who grew up, you know, with, with a, a, a much more different economic situation. So, so, so for them, the Hema stores are a lot about educating and making customers feel comfortable. Okay, this is exactly where my food is coming from but instead of me picking it up you know the, the workers will pick it up but another key difference between amazon and alibaba stores were in the alibaba hema store it was it was actually quite stressful because i mean in that store you have workers that are doing fulfillment orders for online orders running I mean, they were running around the store because, you know, uh, we think that in Amazon, the, the, you know, the restriction, you know, the employees have to like make their quotas and this and that. I can only imagine what it was, you know, how, how, how closely they monitor their average time to fill a cart and this and that. So, I mean, they were running across the store. They had, you've seen in Costco where they put the money in like the, yeah, the, yeah, the pneumatic tubes that go up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the yeah. pneumatic tubes. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. So, so they had something similar in, in Alibaba's Hema stores where you, they would fill the cart of the online order and instead of like walking to the other end of the store they would put it like in this like um conveyor belt that would like lift it to the ceiling mm -hmm. and then the conveyor belt would like bring it across the store <laughs> and it was like i mean i'm literally in like this all, all automated factory you know yeah, trying to buy like yeah. groceries 
So, so, so that was definitely interesting, but yeah, same like Amazon fresh, there was a lot more employees than there were customers. And then the, the checkout process was all done through a kiosk through Alipay, um, which is their big payment service there. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, a lot of similarities. I mean, at the time, obviously the Alibaba Hema store was much more advanced than anything I'd ever seen in a grocery store concept, but now, and I, it's not fair to compare them because I'm comparing two years yeah. apart, yeah. but, um, but now, you know, their Amazon smart cart definitely, you know, impressed me quite a bit. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, to, to maybe pick out a couple of things that you said, I think it's really interesting that you said both like warehouse for Amazon fresh and like factory for the Hema store. To me, it really sounds like the, the shift is much less focused on the consumer. And it's more towards like the efficient processing of goods that benefits that exactly, exactly. That benefits the bottom line of the organization that's actually building this. Um, and I, I also really liked the, what you said that, um, and I hadn't thought about this before, actually, like it didn't make sense to me why there were um, staff in the stores that were processing the the orders. Like, why would there people be running in these stores? Um, why not just have a whole separate like actual warehouse where they can do that? But it now makes sense if if the maybe the goal of these new stores is to just get people comfortable with where their food is coming from so that there isn't this kind of like black box warehouse where people don't actually know where their stuff is coming from. It's like, oh, okay, well, I ordered, I went there, I ordered, I know what's going on there. Uh, it might make it a little bit more comfortable for the average uh, consumer to now start using the online apps or, or um, mm-hmm. software in order to um, buy their food from these, from these fulfillment center warehouse slash, you know, future grocery stores. Yeah. It was very interesting. Yeah. And the, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And then also if you think about, you know, grocery in general, the margins are already very, mm-hmm. very low, mm-hmm. right? They're very low. So then if you, if you add into the, the mix that produce can go bad very fast People want it fresh, you know, it, it, it has a very limited shelf life compared to other packaged goods and things. So if I'm Jeff Bezos and I want to open in, I don't know, Phoenix, it's like, it's like, yeah, I could have a, a distribution center and then a couple grocery stores, but if I can all combine it into one or two, you know, uh-huh. why the heck wouldn't I? So, so yeah, I think that's what people don't understand when they think about grocery stores of the future. They think they're going to be unmanned like the Amazon Go, but it's like, actually, you're going to see way more employees and humans than you've ever seen in a store before. Um, right. But then it's, it's smart, not just because of, you know, uh, I mean, bottom line for these companies, but also for me as a customer, it's like, if I can get, you know, if my delivery time could be 30 minutes instead of an hour and a half, Hey, I'm, ha- I'm really happy, you know? Yeah. So, um, so, so that's something to, to kind of consider as well. I, I think I was reading that a, a few Macy's were turned into like Amazon distribution center. Um, uh, uh, the, the Macy's that went bankrupt, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. A couple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. A couple locations are actually being used as like Amazon fulfillment because they, Amazon said like, well, wow, Macy's is in the primary center of these towns and cities usually. Right. So if we can like dispatch, you know, inventory quicker and use that space, why wouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Um, I also want to touch on one of the differences between the Chinese examples versus the the American ones. Uh, So you did mention that uh, you used Alipay uh, to pay for the eventual uh, uh, total of your your groceries. But I think there was also a facial recognition system that you would just have to look into a screen and it would obviously recognize your face and then the the total would be subtracted from that. So I've talked about this on the podcast before, but... um, I haven't had anybody actually use it. So uh, maybe you could touch on that because I think it's it's just kind of a very interesting, different technology that maybe the West isn't super used to yet. Oh yeah, it, it was so fascinating. <laughs> so I've, I've been to actually Alibaba's headquarters and and facial recognition was just left and right. I mean, it's it's what they use to enter the campus. Yeah. Now yeah. it's not required. You know, it's not every employee did it, but uh, many did, and uh, you know, I could see why. <laughs> your company knows what your face looks like already. So, um, but but you know, so so it was really interesting. I mean, I would see people with Starbucks, right? They would get their Starbucks for for them and their colleagues. Their hands are full, right? So they just walk onto campus. They don't even blink an eye because mm-hmm. the camera just detects them, and then the the bar is open, and they're able to enter the campus same thing with the cafeteria at alibaba uh same thing at xiaomi i visited xiaomi huawei i mean all these Mm -hmm. these companies uh have are using a baidu was a big one the google of china they they were really into facial recognition i mean even the vending machines had facial recognition so you 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 click on the the drink you want you show your face and within seconds you know you you have your drink in hand 
So, so for them, uh, it, it is becoming very, very common and popular. And, and I see why, you know, it, it's extremely convenient. If the security is good, then, then why not? You know, if I don't have to get out a wallet and a credit card and swipe a piece of plastic, great. So that's what we've traditionally done, right? Now we're moving toward mobile payments where it's like Apple Pay, you know, we can quickly just show our cell phone. But in China, you know, China skipped the kind of, kind of has been in mobile payments for years and years now, but now it seems to be getting more and more toward pay with your face. And so, so yeah, that you could do that at the Alibaba Hema store. You could do that, I think, at some KFCs as well in China. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've even saw it at a McDonald's on a kiosk. Pay with face was an option, you know. So, uh, so it seems like it's it's very convenient, and you know, and, and I can see why people would choose to do it. And then, of course, you have a lot less privacy concerns um, in general in China than you do in the West, which is a uh, which is quite interesting as well. But, but yeah, I mean, I I, I personally am fascinated and and kind of excited for pay with face technology especially because it's novel right now yeah Um, but i think it's the future and i think it's very uh it's very kind of interesting yeah i think it'll be also really interesting to kind of follow and then see whether the west actually fully adopts it right especially over covid there were lots of concerns of using facial recognition for like um uh, you know tracking whether people were actually sick or they had like a fever or they looked potentially six. So I think there were a lot of like bans on uh, facial recognition, certainly here in Europe. Uh, so there was like a regression away from this technology. But I think um, this might actually be one of the first times that I've heard that facial recognition is so much more convenient. I actually hadn't thought of it before, but it, it makes complete sense if your hands are full, right? You're not going to put down your grocery bags or your coffee or whatever. You're just going to look into a screen and, uh, and take the picture and then move on. So yeah, I, I think it'll be quite interesting to see if the cultural shift happens. Yeah. And think about this. I mean, so many airports use it now. It's like, I was, I just flew out of Dubai and it's like, you have to, every single person you show your passport and then you, you show your face and then it it opens the gate. Right. That might feel weird five years ago, but I, and I think it starts with, with government entities, like, you know, or or like things like airports, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have to use the airport, we, we, you know, and it's a security thing and it makes our life more convenient. So then we get comfortable with it. And then slowly over time, we, we are more comfortable with it in other facets, like a grocery store. I like to use the example of, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, you would search a flight, New York to LA, and then you go to a few other websites and all of a sudden you see a banner ad for, you know, flights from New York to LA. That creeped us out. Remember how weird that was? invasive that was and now it's like we don't think we don't blink an eye so you know it it, it, that's kind of just how technology is adopted and i think that um i think that i think you're exactly right it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens here in the u.s and in the west in general because because government regulation you know i think there was just a county in washington state that said to do a complete ban on facial recognition technology uh, even Amazon Go, I know a few years ago, uh, faced a lawsuit in the city of San Francisco because they were saying, hey, this store is discrimination against people without, you know, credit, right? If right, you don't have a credit right, card, right, right. how the heck do you use this store? So, so, you know, I'm not sure what the outcome was, but I think Amazon had to create a, you know, some sort of thing where people could top up with cash at a, another store and then be able to use this or something, right? So, so there are, there are certainly these things that are going to, and are already, let's say, you know, I don't want to say inhibiting, but like definitely slowing down the rate of, of techno- technological acceptance by the yeah. West. Yeah. Um, that's just not going to happen in, in China, uh, you know, for better or worse, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening are cringing at how pro this technology I am um, and saying, what about privacy, slippery slope, this and, and all yeah. that. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's, I think one thing I'll, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll stop. No, no, no. I was just, I was just completely agreeing with you. I mean, I think this is one of the things whenever the discussion around data privacy and data security, Security comes around. Uh, it's it's the conversation always goes towards the differences between China and specifically the United States, right? So, uh, and and then you can even talk about Europe, which I think is even more concerned about the data privacy of the individual mm. citizens. Um, but yeah, my, I think the the one thing that I always go to is like what is going to be the impact on the actual development of the and acceptance of the technology, and then how's what are the ramifications of that for society? Like, is China just going to become more efficient, more productive because of these technologies that even though they infringe on the individual kind of sovereignty of the of the uh, human being, uh, it enables a much more, I guess, fluid or um, yeah, efficient and productive society on like many, uh, many different aspects. Uh, 
I, I don't know if you have an answer for that, but I, it's, it's always a place that, that uh, these conversations go to for me anyways. Yeah, no, I, I, have, I have actually a lot of thoughts on that. I mean, the first is when I would film at these tech companies in their campus, I would go to like Baidu, as I mentioned, Huawei, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I would just go up to, to employees that are sitting at their desk and just start filming them. And, you know, I've been to many offices in Europe and US and China for CNBC as a reporter, and mm-hmm. I, I film them, you know, obviously with the permission of the PR person and the company and all that kind of guiding me around. But I, I know, like, if I do that in the US, you know, people look up and then the, the you know, their colleague has to say, oh, they're shooting for CNBC or, yeah. you know, and sometimes people will say, I don't want to be filmed. Like, what the heck? I'm at work. Who is this? You know, mm-hmm. in China, Mark, people don't even look up. Yeah. Like, I, I couldn't believe I'm just like, you know, two feet away from there as filming them, a stranger filming them as they're working. They don't even, they're not even curious what's going on. They just could care less. So because different. Yeah. yeah, they just don't have a sense of why is my, what's, you know, why is my, why am I being filmed? They just do not, in general, you know, they do not say that the ones that I've come into contact with. And, and, you know, I would, as, as an American who's, who, who lived in Asia for four years, I would get into debates with my friends because of how kind of bullish I was on this future technologies. Mm-hmm. And they would say, how can you say this privacy concerns this slippery slope that. And I think the reason that I, I have become kind of, you know, very accepting of, of these future technologies is because of what I saw with safety and security. Okay. When you think about, you know, the unfortunate shootings, you know, random mass shootings we have in the United States, when you think about, you know, unfortunately school shootings that occurred, it's like, it's like, imagine if we could, if we could, you know, reduce a lot of these things because of, because of technology. That's, that's, I mean, it's, 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 of course, I'm oversimplifying the problem, but that's just really where my head's, head's at. And it's, it's also as a journalist, right? I've talked to a lot, a lot of people in China, a lot of foreigners who are living in China, one, one uh, executive that comes to mind, he's originally Australian, he's raised his two kids in Shanghai, and he was telling me he goes to London, and, you know, there was a street fight, you know, a bar fight or whatever, and his kids were literally shaking so hard, because that, you know, they just didn't see anything, like they don't even right, hear sirens right. in Shanghai, you know, and so and, and he, he was thinking like, a how lucky I am to be raising my kids in a place where I never have to worry about their safety, um, and, and crime rates and things like that. But, but he also was concerned too. So when he got back to Shanghai, he would make his little kids watch, uh, like cops shows, you know, just to like toughen them up. Yeah. A little yeah, bit yeah. Like, Expose hey. them to the real world a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, so hearing somebody like him who arguably started out being pro pro privacy, pro this, mm-hmm. you know, and how, how his perception was changed because he was able to appreciate all the advantages of, of a more secure world. It's kind of like, you know, with, uh, going through the airport security, right. It's like, I don't feel like it's an invasion of privacy because I understand the greater good of this technology is, you know, and, and these inconvenience are to keep me safe in the sky. Right. And as long as we don't have anything to hide, then why should we, you know, then, then why should I kick and scream? And so I think, you know, it's, that's kind of where my mindset goes just to a more, you know, maybe the, the, the next, the next degree of that. Um, But, but that's why I think, I think two things, I think this, a lot of this technology is coming, you know, with or without our approval. And, and I see the benefits of why it's coming. And that's kind of my stance. Yeah. Uh, Well, well, thank you very much for, for sharing that. I also think it's quite um, unique and interesting to hear somebody who has maybe a different perspective from like many of the people, like, uh, of course, I interview many people from the Western world on the podcast. And uh, as I mentioned before, like one of the main concerns is, of course, you know, data privacy. So we need to stop either facial recognition or or other uh, technologies that are going to come out that are going to, yeah, cause potential long-term problems for the individual. Uh, and then the the argument is always, well, you know, safety issues are great, but that's just kind of, um, uh, I, I think it's a red herring, right? It's it's leading us to uh, this, this eventual, I mean, there's lots of people that talk about these, you know, digital surveillance states, um, mm-hmm. but they're, they're using the argument of yeah, safety and security to get us to, to these places. But um, mm-hmm. I, I do think it's, I do think it always is interesting and relevant to kind of hear the opposite side that, you know, it, for yourself that have, you've actually experienced this kind of culture and for others that have experienced both cultures as well. And they have the perspective of, oh, okay, maybe sometimes the security is actually better if we're talking about, you know, kids or, or uh, other situations like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I know, I know I get it's controversial, especially yeah, as yeah. an American saying that, but, but yeah, I guess it just comes down to all 
ultimately like having my phone snatched out of my hand while walking through London versus, mm -hmm. you know, like living in Singapore. And literally I did a video on this where I left my phone, laptop and even wallet, you know, on a table. And then I went and ordered lunch, you know, hundred feet away or whatever, and then came back and then proved, yep, it's all there. Yeah. It's, I mean, one yeah. of the lowest yeah. crime rates in the world. So, but, but of course, you know, there are, there are things that, that need to be considered. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate the debate. Let's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's very important. I think, uh, yes, it is important. Which, whichever, is whichever important side you take is important to talk about. It, agreed. Yeah. 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 Um, great. So I, I see that the time is, is almost up here. Um, maybe we can just talk, uh, the question that I love to end all these podcast discussions on are like the future of whatever topic that we're talking about. So uh, we were talking mostly about uh, retail and grocery store shopping. I mean, I can already kind of assume what were uh, what your idea is, right? It's moving away from the physical, you know, brick and mortar store towards online ordering. Do you see that as you know, taking maybe 10, 20 years to happen? Are drones going to be used rather than human beings uh, to you know, place these fulfillment orders? Um, you, you also mentioned the aspect of like the conveyor belts and maybe a factory uh, fulfillment center. Uh, do you see that those, those centers becoming more automated? Like what's your, uh, especially from somebody who's actually experienced these firsthand, like, do you have a vision of like where the future of this is going? I think traditional grocery shopping that we see as, you know, utility, I need these items. Uh, you know, we're going to see a lot of that. Yeah. It's, I think it's in the next, let's say 10 years where, you know, we're going to see a huge shift. Maybe it'll be, I, I don't want to give numbers, but, yeah, but I yeah. think we're going to see a huge shift and, and we're going to see it kind of be the, the norm when, when, uh, when needing to, to get groceries. But then what's going to happen is I think same thing like what's happened to our malls right over the past like five, 10 years where it's like, oh, my God, our malls are boring. Let's make them experiential. Let's have yoga classes. Let's have open air restaurants. Let's do, you know, raves and, and different bring different influencers and celebrities in to, to give talks or whatever. I think we're going to see that with grocery stores. I mean, I, I was in a grocery store in Italy. Uh, with some friends and and literally they have like a, a bar so you walk into the grocery store and this it's not as it's not a, like a unique thing it's just a normal grocery store you walk in you go to the bar you have like either a coffee or a, a cocktail or even just like a club soda and it's you know there's no plastic cups it's all like you sit mm. there and you stand at the bar and you enjoy a drink i'm looking at my friend who's italian who grew up in this town and i'm like what are we doing <laughs> yeah. having a drink I'm like i thought we're here to buy some stuff for your mom and yeah. like we will like what rush why are you in a rush so i don't know i mean is that coming to america i i don't think necessarily that's coming to america but i mm -hmm. think i think we're gonna start um to think about more experiential shopping even within the grocery space mm -hmm. so like even in dubai where I'm, I'm partially based i remember like i spent a lot of time at the dubai mall which is the world's largest mall shop and it's funny because when i first moved there i'm like oh malls you know malls schmalls right malls mm -hmm. are so boring i hate malls i'm over malls but i really love going to the mall in dubai and i think a lot of that is because it is there's a lot of things to do there's different people to you know there's people watching there's people to meet there's different cafes there's different experiences there's so much discoverability among amongst that you know my time at the mall and so I think that I think that we are going to eventually probably in five ten years think about grocery stores believe it or not as an experience mm -hmm. and that could mean like you know the seafood counter that grills your seafood in front of you and of course you pay a premium for that but um but I think that's ultimately what's what's going to come next is we're going to have our utility grocery shopping is going to be mostly done online but then we're going to go to the grocery store, <laughs> believe it or not, because we want to, you know, like cooking classes sure, or, or sure. like live demonstrations. I think we're going to see a lot of that. Italy. Have you been in Italy? There's one. Uh, no, no, I don't think I have. I, I went okay. to like Itza um, uh, back in San Francisco when it was still around. But that was just a, yet another kind of like Amazon Go automated experience. Oh, OK. Yeah. I did. See that. Yeah. So so Italy, for those who don't know, it's like an open air grocery store. It started in New York. Now they have them throughout the, the world. Uh, there's not a lot of them. There's probably less than a dozen. But but it's an open air grocery store. But then they have like different pockets where you can like go to an oyster bar. You can like, you know, maybe watch a, a demonstration and have a drink. And so I think I think that's what we're going to see uh, more of in the grocery space. Will it be done by Amazon? Well, I'm inclined to say no, because Amazon is traditionally, you know, low price, but Amazon's on its mission to take over the world. So let's be honest, right, probably right. we will see it by Amazon. 
I think that's a perfect place to end up in. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank, thank you very much for kind of sharing that future vision. It's, it's definitely one that I would not have uh, thought of. Uh, it kind of goes contrary to a lot of the ideas that I was thinking. So uh, I, always, I always love hearing other people's uh, perspectives on kind of what's going to happen for the specific well, now, sector that we're talking about. Well, now I'm just really curious, were you thinking everything is app delivery online, app online? I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking way more... Um, uh, efficient and and productivity would kind of be the the baseline aspects, and that the human would be kind of taken out of these um, these experiences. Mm. Especially as I think Amazon's like uh, also experience um, experimenting with like drone delivery, and there's a number of these like drone startups that are actually delivering in urban centers. But again, this is all like you know very early pilot stage. So I mean, uh, who's to know? Yeah. 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 Great. Um, well, I see that our our time is up. Uh, I mean, you, I know that you have uh, videos kind of all over the place uh, on most social media platforms. Uh, where would you like people to go to to follow your work and see what other kind of interesting tech and business things that you talk about? Yeah, absolutely. So I make three videos a week about tech, money, and cultures um, across all platforms. So, you know, wherever wherever you like to spend the most time, I appreciate the follow or the subscribe. So mm -hmm. on YouTube, my YouTube is just very easy. It's youtube.com slash Upton, U-P-T-I-N. Mm -hmm. And actually it's the same for Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm just slash Upton on all of those, uh, all of those platforms. So yeah, uh, would love to, to connect with people and uh, people can follow, can, can follow my work there. Terrific. Terrific. Well, I'll have all those links on the, on the show notes. Um, so people can check it out in a, in an easy click. Um, Upton, thanks a lot for coming onto the podcast. It was great talking to you and thanks for sharing your experience, uh, with these kind of interesting future stores, which, uh, I, I, as I mentioned before, I don't think too many people have seen. So I think it's quite interesting for them to hear about. Yeah. They haven't seen them yet, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Time. <laughs> well, exactly. thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed this. Right on. A, a pleasure. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast and the conversations here, the best way to do this is to go onto Apple Podcasts and leave a review as it helps the algorithm to reach out to new listeners and brings the show to them. Also, feel free to check out the website, automatedpodcast.org, where you can find the show notes for each episode, written articles on the themes of the podcast, and a library of resources on the topic of emerging tech and automation. Also, if you want to reach out and leave any feedback or you have any questions about the podcast or any of the conversations, there are general contact links such as email, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc. for you there on the website. And finally, for those of you that want more than just an audio conversation, the video recordings are now going to be up on YouTube for the newer conversations. So feel free to check out the videos by searching for Automated Podcast on YouTube, where, of course, you can like and subscribe if you prefer to support the podcast that way. The Automated Podcast. <laughs>